like, why am I a burned out gifted child? Basically, yeah. the secret to every burned out gifted child is ADHD. I swear. Probably, yeah. 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 I think most of us who had great potential and now we're exhausted and in chronic pain, yeah. we had undiagnosed ADHD. So as soon as I learned what body doubling was, I'm like, that's why I can. That, like, that's the secret to why I can and can't do things. That's yeah. why I can't clean the garage unless my dad is also mowing lawn. Like, it makes so much sense. You're listening to Nourish the Risk Takers. I'm your host, Marisa Lowen. In this podcast, we explore the intricacies and complexities of asking for and receiving help. I'm joined today by, uh, with, by, by, with, uh, with L. Billing. <laughs> I don't know. I'm. It's Friday. Uh, we're recording this, but we are at Nourish the Risk Takers with L. Billing. L, welcome. How are Hi. you? Hi. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a Friday. It's a Friday. That's a legit. That's just a legit. I am here. Um, I am L, here. Before we go and dive into talking about Nourishing the Risk Takers, would you give us just a short introduction of who you are and what you do in the world? Yes. Um, my name is L Billing. I am an artist at L and Wink Art Studio and a podcaster at Hoorf Podcast. Um, I'm also a caregiver of one of my parents. And uh, yeah, that's what I do. I'm an artist, a caregiver and a podcaster. Excellent. And and you're more than that. You're you're. Oh, you're I'm a lot more than that. I am yeah, you're a person <laughs> out in the world. Yes. Um, I'm an auntie. I'm a godmother. Um, I'm an educator. Um yeah, I'm a lot of things. You're a lot of things. You are. Yep. Um, so uh, I know when I first started talking about nourishing the risk takers, it was you were one of the first that were like, yes, I would like to be on this and I would like to talk about it. Um, just to start off, what does nourish the risk takers mean to you? Uh, to me, nourishing the risk takers is about uh, providing care and support for people who are doing the same for others. Um, mm -hmm. As a caregiver myself, I know I need a lot of support and care. Um, I have a a parent who who lives with a degenerative disease, and I actually took a really big risk. I left a career um, in education. I had a pension. I had um, full time benefits. I I left that career, um, sold my home, moved a thousand miles and moved back home with my parents to help take care of my mom. And mm -hmm. part of that was because of my own disability and illness. Part of that was due to burnout in the education field. And part of that was really because um, my parents needed assistance. Um, for many years, I thought that, you know, I looked at my life and I thought, I can't imagine doing anything other than teaching. Like, this is my calling. This is my job. This is where I belong. And then um, it got to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's scary and it is a huge risk to leave stability and move into the unknown. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me to find a community, um, that supports for one that to, to care for caregivers is really important, but also to find a community that could help me as a very clueless business owner, um, I've said before many times, you know, I'm, I do paint. Um, mm -hmm. I'm an artist. Um, I never wanted to be a small business owner. I just wanted to paint. 
Um, right. But in order to get the paintings from my studio out to the people who want them on their walls, there are a lot of steps in between those two those two points. And um, I needed people to show me how to do that. Um, and I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't know what kind of help I needed. And so um, all of these things were really risky for me and very kind of frightening. And so to be able to find the kind of nourishment and the kind of help I needed mm -hmm. in a way that was collaborative and not competitive, mm -hmm. that's, that's to me what nourishing risk takers and what caring for caregivers and what fostering um, creative people and creative practices and creative businesses is like that's the thing right and it's interesting um like artists of course I come that was my background as the artist world and and helping artists create that it, it's we're living in a really interesting time where artists have to often make the decision to make things that are commercially marketable or commercially accepted and making the art that really lives inside them and the messaging that they want to create into the world. And there is often a disconnect and an inability to sell the art they really want to make. And so it's, it, I think there's an interesting aspect that we can talk about on nourishing the risk takers, especially when we look at artists, when we look at creatives, when we look at the things that we make them do in order to pay their bills or be fed. Um, you know, like you're working for yourself, you have a small business, but it's not like you get to just always, you know, make really what's in your heart or make what you really want to do. It's it's true. Um, I had previously taken like an independent artist little workshop thing. And the, the advice is always niche down, niche down, niche down. Um, because there's so many artists right out there. There's so many of us trying to make yeah. it as independent artists. And you want to find the thing that you can do that nobody else can do as well as right. you do. Um, if I niche down, um, I'm going to be painting for an audience of one, which is me which is fine. Like that's really who we paint for anyway. Absolutely. I'm really, really weird. Yeah. Like my, my aesthetic sense, my personal experience. And that's, I think true for every artist is we paint what we know. Um, and then the marketing it to a wider audience is really hard or can be. Um, but I'm also multi-passionate. And so niching down has always been really hard for me and finding that balance between what's sellable and what is in my heart is that's where I've struggled. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, it's real. It's very real. And I think yeah. we don't talk about this enough. Like it is, I mean, a lot of times people will say, well, why don't you just make the thing that people sell? Sure. Well, I guess we I don't do that. Right. But I also don't want to make the stuff that you find at Target necessarily. Although I do have friends whose stuff has been picked up and sold in Target and it's yeah. amazing. Yep. But I don't think some of the pieces that I make have mass appeal. Like not everybody wants, you know, a, a well, some of it couldn't be because I use um, licensed books. I tear them up and put them in, col in right. collages. So that can't be mass produced again in, for like a Target or a Michaels right. or whatever. Um, but some of it, like not everyone's going to want a painting that has, you know, pages torn out of like a 1927 Grey's Anatomy yeah. 
you know, anatomical drawings in it. Or medications. You had a line of medications. I did. I did for Migraine Awareness Month last year. I did a series that had each painting had a gold pill on it to talk about the cost of drug prices. That's an important conversation, but not one another corporation is going to pick up and want to sell. Right. (laughs) Because I'm critiquing the exact system, right? Or that you have enough. The other, you know, side of it is that you have enough like clout or collectors or, um, you know, a significant audience that will pay for that one-off piece of art. I mean, cause I talk about right. this all the time with clients is like, you know, license what, you know, license what you don't love. And then the ones that you do really love, put a, put a high price tag on cause it's a one of a kind. Right. But that's not realistic when you don't have the collectors with the cash lined up and ready to buy your next painting. Right. And that, that collection of migraine paintings, um, every single person who bought one, it resonated really strongly with them because they also live with neurological disease like I do. Right. And one, you know, one of my collectors bought three of them. They wanted a trio. So they have three of these brain pieces in their home. Fantastic. Um, And it really resonated with them because they also live with migraine disease. Yeah. Um, And that, that's why I do what I do. You know, I want it to resonate with people. I don't want to just sell some, pretty although I like I have an aesthetic sense I like it when my things like look good but I also want it to connect with people yeah yeah and that's risky (laughs) especially when I especially when I'm disabled and I have a restrictive diet that costs a lot of money and I need to eat and go to the doctor (laughs) and provide all these things for myself yeah. So how do you think we can nourish artists? How, what are some of the things that you, I mean, other than by art, by like by art, I guess is like, it's a good, easy one. Yes. To do. You should but, buy art from independent art. artists and yeah. not from mass big stores. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like walk away from the Marshall's art section because all the funniest thing I ever saw was in um, like our home sense, which is like Marshall's or um, TJ Maxx. And there was like this, this mass produced canvas that said by handmade. And I, like, I took a picture of it cause I was like, this hurts. Oh my God. So it does. It does. Ways. Um, but it's just like, it also made me laugh. And another lady, as I was taking the picture this other lady comes up and she's like, Ooh, <laughs> she's like, isn't that a statement? I'm like, it is a statement. It's a sad statement. Um, but this is where we're at. So yes, by art, but then how else do you think we can nourish artists? Um, that's a really good question. Um, we can nourish artists by, I mean, if art isn't in your budget, because I know it isn't for everybody, mm-hmm. there are ways to, to support their businesses in other ways by um, asking artists, what do you need? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and a lot of the time we're very frustrated with um, with social media because the algorithms are changing or because rules change or because our reach gets limited by certain things. Um, And I think a really basic way to support an artist is find somebody you like and sign up for their, for their mailing list, because Mm -hmm. that's really helpful because we know those get out, even if we don't know our social media posts, make it to who who we're hoping to, um, and actually open the emails that you get from artists or from any, if you sign up for an email list, please open the emails and and click through because we actually track those things and those actually help emails get through the next time to the people that have signed up for our emails. Yeah. It's just such a simple step. 
I have friends whose emails that I I read and click through, even though I know I'm not in the in the market for their collection yeah. right now, because I know that it helps the emails reach the clients who do want their art right now. Absolutely. Um, and I know that's just playing a numbers game, but that's what we depend on right now. That's yeah. that's just how we have to play the game right now. Um, and tell your friends, like if you know, if you have a friend who is moving into a new home or to a new apartment or who's painting or redecorating, like tell them about p artists, you know, I just yeah. had a friend text me on Saturday and say, I moved into my new apartment. Do you have anything big? Yeah. And I said, I do actually, I have several big paintings that I've been trying to sell for a year. Here's the link. And within yeah. 15 minutes, he had, he had purchased one of my favorite paintings. And I yeah. dance, I, I do a happy dance every time I sell a painting. And it's sort of like this little involuntary, like ee! very similar to my happy pizza dance, for sure. which is also an involuntary thing that happened when I discovered a restaurant had vegan cheese. Yeah. So it's like all these little happy joys that accumulate in my day. It's like, oh, yay, something worked. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was doing my little happy dance and I started crying. I was so excited because I love this painting and it was going to somebody I know. And like the whole transaction didn't feel like a transaction. Right. Because it was personal. I knew they wanted it. They specifically sought me out. The whole thing felt like a conversation rather than just a simple sales transaction. Right. And so knowing who in your life is making those kinds of changes as far as like home in their homes and trying to hook them up with artists that you follow or appreciate or enjoy is actually a good way to support people both ways. It's like a mutual thing. Yeah, and I always like to like recommend people like nominate artists for projects, nominate artists for awards. Um, you know, if you happen to be uh, signed up to newsletters from your municipalities, your states, your province, your your federal government, there's a lot of art competitions that artists don't know that they can be a part of. And yes. it's an awesome opportunity where you can say, hey, I don't know if you have time for this or you're interested, but here's like a link. Um, same with grants and funding, like be be on the lookout for the artists in your lives for those opportunities because they're busy in front of a canvas or they're drawing or they're listening or they're editing or they're doing whatever their art looks like um, and can't always be on the lookout for funding sources or you know cool projects they get to be a part of we have a local artist here that um you know does a does murals on walls right so mm -hmm. like the best thing is your friends opening up a restaurant you're like you know what look really cool a mural <laughs> you know? and being able yes. to recommend like you said recommend those sometimes it, it's different audiences public art is a huge opportunity there's so many new buildings I don't know how it is in the states but we have so much percentage of a new project that is allocated to having art built either into it or inside of it or outside of it um, in order to bring, you know, better, just a better experience to people. So those competitions often, um, you know, don't have that many people applying for them because people didn't know they, they existed. Yeah. I had a friend send me um, the information, the submission guidelines for an art fair in her community. She said, Hey, I think you should do this. And what was great is that the, 
for all the emerging artists, first first time participants, that art fair provides the tent. Mm, so, cool. which is a huge cost for people who've never done an outdoor event before, yeah. which can be really cost prohibitive. But they, if you're a first time participant, they will like let you use their equipment and cool. that's huge. And so if you know, if you have a favorite art fair or art show or event, or you see one out there, tell your friends and, um, who are artists or artisans. And it's the same idea as the, as the contests or the competitions or, Right. Um, submissions for public art like I'm doing so much during the day in a very limited amount of time that I have when I'm alert and in less pain because I only have a few good hours where I can really be productive during the day that most of the time I'm not looking for those opportunities no. I'm painting I'm catching up on paperwork I'm eating I'm napping and I'm helping my mom or I'm taking care of my dog there is no time in any of that for me to be looking for alternative avenues of revenue or alternative places to show my art. Yeah. I get a little, I get a little tunnel vision. It's like, I have my three things that I do and I do those. And then I forget there's all of this other world out there. Absolutely. And I think that happens to a lot of us because we get in our routines and we just do what we've all, what, what we've been doing. And then we're like, ah, oh, there's this museum and that museum and the mall does public art now. And I don't get out much. So I didn't know the mall did that. Yeah. Um, and then there's this cool art, art fair. Well, I, I could go, but where would I stay? Oh, well, my friend sent me the, the link. Maybe she'd let me stay at her house. Well, even that is a way of nourishing artists. Everything's expensive. Absolutely. So yeah. like... <laughs> Let your friends stay there. If you yeah. if you if you show them the art fair, maybe open your house to them. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many things that we can say. Like, if you do own a, a brick and mortar store, um, you know, consider selling local made art. Or if you have a business and you want art on your walls, you know, buy locally or rent or have like a buy program. A lot of our stores here or our businesses here will have art in their public, you know, lobbies. And there's like a little QR code and you can just go over and you can buy that art, take it off the wall and, and you've just come for an appointment. Um, and then you, you go home with some art and there's some really great opportunities where, you know, you can start to nourish the artists in your communities that doesn't really impact you. Like in a, in a, like, it doesn't make it more difficult for you. Um, those, those companies that it's, it's kind of a neat system. Like you, you scan your QR mm -hmm. code and it's like, it unlock it's just like unlocks it's basically like an art, you know, unlocks the art from the wall. <laughs> wow. Once you pay for it, you just take it off and you go and then like, you know, the security guard walks over, puts a piece of art up. And those kind of things are possible now. Um, as a business owner, like, I think that's an incredible thing that you can do in your community that doesn't really, it puts beautiful art in your lobby. It also, you know, supports art being sold. We see restaurants all the time. We'll have art hung. Uh, my hairdresser had art hanging that you could buy um, right there. You just paid them and then, you know, took it home with you. And I think those opportunities where we do a lot of those cross marketing opportunities is essential too. That's part of nourishing our community and nourishing our economy um, yes. as well as nourishing the artists. There, when I lived in Twin Falls, Idaho, they have a, they have an event there every spring called Art and Soul of the Magic Valley. Mm -hmm. And it's like a huge art contest where 
artists and businesses pair up. So the business will sponsor an artist and then yeah. they display their piece for like the duration of the contest. And then community members, you have to go to like the main hub and get a ballot. Yeah. And then you have to go all over town and visit all of these uh -oh. art exhibits. And then you vote on your favorite. Right. And then at the end, there's like cash prizes for the artists, like best in each category. And it lasts like a month, month and a half. And it's a big deal. They've been doing it for years and years. And it is a, a great way to get artists and art into all the entire community because it's businesses all over town. It's a great way to get people into those businesses. Yes. And it's a great way for artists to like get, I mean, you can win like a significant amount of money. Um, I think any amount of money is significant actually I mean, <laughs> at this yeah. point. But I'm like, yeah, I'd, I'd take 50 bucks. I'd take a thousand bucks. Um, but it's every, like artists look forward to it every year. And um, it, you just, you see art all over. Some of it's outside big sculptural work and some of it's inside um, in the, in the restaurants and cafes and yeah. tiger store. Yeah. Like everywhere. Absolutely. And I like, I like the, um, some of the things I've seen too, is that in, in those instances where you can like scan a QR code and buy it, it's like, you know, the, the minimum price is $500, but you can actually pay as much as you want. And it's like mm -hmm. being able to do the tipping, being able to, you know, to top up, um, to actually express to you what that art means to you. If you have the financial means is an incredible mm -hmm. way of, of sharing in the wealth and sharing in that experience and allowing someone to be able to create more art. That's the other thing too, is that, you know, we joke that artists, sell their art to buy more art supplies, but it also pays their rent and their, you know, their cell phone and their internet and their Shopify and all of these things that they have to buy in order to sell the art. We kind of forget about all of these things to live as a human and then to operate as a business. Yeah. Web hosting fees and sales tax. And I'm just all of our, everything costs money. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. So it does. So let's talk about nourishing as a caregiver um so you have chronic uh illnesses and disabilities and mm -hmm. but you're a caregiver for someone else yes let's talk about that um because at this point you're nourishing somebody you know how how does it look for you to be nourished in that process um i my dad and i do a lot of mutual support for each other um, I moved out here after my mom spent two and a half days in the hospital. That was when I decided that my parents needed help. Right. Um, I'm from North Dakota originally. That's where I live now. Um, the culture here is, is very like Protestant work ethic-y. For those who don't know, um, um, I grew up like Lutheran. That's not really relevant except for the whole Protestant work ethic thing is like you work really hard and you help other people out, but you don't ask for help for yourself. So my mom went into the hospital with a septic infection um, and she tried to get herself discharged. And she, to this day, thinks that my dad and the doctor ganged up on her to have her admitted. Um, recently she's like was I really that sick and my dad was like you were septic she's like really I was like she doesn't remember it the way that it happened for sure so that happened my partner and I were like I think something has to they need help like mom's gonna die if we don't get help in there um she's at that stage between needing like being independent and needing a nursing home she's in between yeah, yeah. um 
but if she didn't get help like something bad would happen for sure. so at about the same time my illness was getting worse um and i couldn't perform my job duties um I worked with deaf kids and my arms were going numb, so I couldn't use sign, <laughs> sign language. Um, it was a problem. Uh, so I offered to move home and my parents had to think about it. Mm -hmm. um, my mom didn't want help. And my dad, we were on video with my parents and my dad was like kind of behind my mom going. And my mom's like, oh, I don't know if I need help yet. And my dad's like, we'll talk about it but he was like right. nodding and you could see the relief on his face like right I didn't think I could ask for that and I'm so glad you offered I mean there's and caregiving like, for your mom and then really that caregiving you're seeing that actual caregiving and nourishing for your dad who is basically right all of that up until and still farming full-time absolutely with his brother and his nephew so in the winter my dad and I do a lot of mutual support. I don't like to drive in the winter because it makes my fibromyalgia flare up because mm -hmm. the tense winter driving is just yeah. too much for my body. So my dad does the driving for our appointments most of the winter, okay. which is a nice way of taking care of me because winter driving is not good for me. Okay. Um, but then in the spring, like coming up here, we're still under too much snow. So we haven't started planting yet. It's very stressful. Um, but starting when those, we start melting and they start getting ready to go in the fields, my partner comes out from Chicago and stays with us for, the, for about three months during planting. Okay. And then that's kind of a chance for me to do some recuperating and resting because I am still doing a lot around the house. I'm doing laundry. I'm doing dishes. And I'm helping my mom with her PayPal account and her sewing machine and all these little things that come up that are kind of like, you don't think about until it's just all day. Yeah. Um, picking up prescriptions and running errands and someone hacked the PayPal account. Um, someone changed your password. Was it you? No, I think it was actually. No, I think it was you. Um, so my partner comes out to help because everything gets really busy in the spring. And it used to be when I was teaching, it would get I would just really get stressed and exhausted in the spring and I needed the help at home and now we've just yeah. shifted it to needing help here yeah um so then my partner does the lawn mowing and helps with the dishes and the cooking and then I can just sort of rest on the house stuff and focus right. on some art and some like self-care um and then in the fall or like mid-summer my partner goes home and then in the summer and fall I do I, I pick up all the driving and my dad's working 16 hours a day and that's when I get less care myself except for just going to the doctor and stuff mm -hmm. and then once winter winds up once harvest winds up in the fall then my dad and I kind of go back to more of the mutual support model mm -hmm. um, that we kind of have carved out for ourselves mm -hmm. so like my biggest area of receiving care is usually those three months that my partner's here and we and I can just really, I don't have to be as vigilant. I have a lot of hypervigilance with my mom. Mm -hmm. um, she's a she's a fall risk. I um, mean, just having an extra set of hands and ears in the spring is really nice. Because then someone is also cooking for me, right. <laughs> and I, which takes I I don't I eat better when my partner's here because when I'm cooking for myself, I'm living on 
boxed vegan mac and cheese and Beyond Burger and beans and rice and things yeah. that are fast. And when my partner's here, I eat real meals. <laughs> yeah, I 100% get that. So are you, how are you with asking for help? I, that is a learned skill. Um, as far as my physical and like disability and chronic illness needs, I, I can do that now. Um, I first got sick in 2013 and it took me a while. I tried to power through for a while and I think that made, no, I know that made me worse. Mm -hmm. um, like I'm much better now about just saying to one of my parents or my partner or whoever's around like, hey, I need rest. I need help. I can't do this. Um, you know, I was in a... <laughs> Business help has been a little bit harder to ask for because I don't know what I need help on or even right. like what to ask. And I've gotten better at that. Yeah. Um, but I was really nervous at first because I didn't want to be seen as stupid. Oh, okay. Which is, which is silly because yeah. <laughs> like intelli intelligence is a made up idea anyway. Yeah. Like it's based in ideas of racism and white supremacy. Yeah. So like, who the hell cares if someone thinks I'm not intelligent, right? But also like, if you don't know, you don't know. If you don't know, you don't know. So here's a huge, I wrote this down because um, I wanted to talk about a big difference in like asking for help and accessibility between like the accounting class I try to take and being in the catalyst. So I tried to take two accounting classes. I was taking payroll accounting and like intro to accounting so I could do my books myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was taking it at a community college online. Um, I started that August and then in November, like I was doing really well in the class. I hated it. I hated everything about it, but I was doing really well. Yeah. Um, that November, my mom fell uh, when we were outside and right. she smashed her face on the ground and we had to call 911 because right. she was injured and I didn't know what to do. At first I couldn't even get her up. I thought maybe she'd had a stroke while we were outside. Yeah. But by the time we're we're rural and all of our first responders are volunteers. So by the time they got to our farm, I had her up and inside and an ice yeah. pack. But I still needed her checked out. It was very stressful. She looked awful. I can imagine. <laughs> it was really scary. And I knew when I moved here, at some point I will need to call 911. Right. This is going to happen. But when it does happen, you're still not expecting it. Right. So that happened the same week I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia and maybe lupus. It's not Thanks. lupus. That week they thought it was lupus. Right. It was a really bad week. Okay. My accounting professor had worked into the syllabus um, that we had one, a one-time use. You can extend your homework for a week. You okay. just had to ask. Okay. That's what I did. Okay. I hear back from her. You didn't ask using the right means of communication. There were like five ways that we could get in touch with our professor. There was okay. an email. There was like a chat thing. And there were like ways through the, the class management software. There was a way okay. through the homework server. Like there were like five different ways. And I happened to yeah. use the wrong one. Well, how would you know that? Well, she didn't give me the extension. Well, if I would have read the syllabus. I'm oh. sorry. I have no spoons this week. Yeah. I might okay. have lupus. My mom fell and broke her face. Yeah. Like, I, I'm barely functioning, but I was able to open up my laptop and send you an email. When I was teaching, 
I consider that good enough. If you yeah. tell me what's going on, I will have the grace to give you an extension. I'm trying. So she's like, no, you have to do it. You didn't do it the right way. You don't get the extension. And I was like, this is like, I can't find what you're telling me. Like my brain is not processing the information right. on the screen. I quit. I just stopped going to class. Yeah. I, it was I, just I, so at that point, it was so inaccessible yeah. to my needs, to yeah. my brain, to my illness, to my yeah. life situation that I just quit. I've, I've seen this so many times I've experienced it where it's just like the, the ask for accessibility is greater than the actual effort to give the accessibility. And so therefore that it doesn't happen. It just, I mean, yeah. you try it once or twice and then you realize that the world is not meant to be accessible and you're yeah, just like, I'm like okay, this, this isn't designed for me. Right. This is not meant for me. I just wasted $1,200. Yeah. I'll eat it. I'll eat it. Yeah. I've, I've done it too. I've, I've basically said, well, you know, there's thousands of, all. I just can't The the ask for, again, the ask for accessibility is just greater than the actual task at hand. And it's just like, okay, I'll move on. And I know I'm not the only one. I know you're not the only one. I, I know that like, I mean, it's just when, when we have, a, when we live in a world where people who are in wheelchairs are, you know, seen to be uh, asking for too much, if they say, can you please just shovel the sidewalk so that I can get into the, you know, the government building. Um, we had a, a multi-million dollar building built here for our city. And I went to a, a consultation and, and saw that um, they hadn't built uh, like wide enough doorways. So there's a gentleman who couldn't get through in his wheelchair. We had to help him transfer onto a chair. And then I had to fold up his wheelchair, get it through the door, bring it up, and all in front of a huge audience of people. So not only does he not have the dignity of having a doorway that he can just, just stroll on through, but he has to then perform in front, like his disability in front of all these other people. And, you know, it, it's, it's disappointing, right? Like that kind of stuff in a new building, we shouldn't have to be, you know, begging for this kind of accessibility stuff. This is, it's just should yeah. be standard. So then I join the create the rules catalyst. Yeah. Because I had already met you and had a couple sessions with you and your way of working with people is super accessible. Yeah. Very, very neuro spicy friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever um, you want. Come on in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I'd had a couple one-on-one -on -one sessions. You helped me hammer yeah. out some things for my podcast. Um, you taught me about like how to do a 12 month rolling budget. Yes. Um, really basic things that like I didn't know because I've never taken a business class. Sure. Um, and I'm inventing all this from the ground up. Yeah. And I just, I never wanted to be a business owner. I just wanted to paint. Right. All That's of, right. Like, this stuff. Right. So I join and my first day in the I was really nervous about it, right? Yeah. So I joined in November thinking I'm really going to use this in 2023, but I'll like yeah. hop in the workroom right now or I'll never yeah. get over that hump. That's right. So I hop in and you're like, hey, welcome. I'm like, cool. How does this work? Yeah. How do <laughs> and you I want just to like work? hang out and listen. And I'm like, yeah. we really just like ask our questions out loud when we need yeah. help. Yeah. I was like, can, can, I, can I schedule an appointment? And you're like, sure, but you don't have to. No, I was you like, can just come in whenever. I can just blurt out that I don't understand yeah. SEO. Yes. Yes, you can. I can or just like, tell you, ask you to look at my website. my website. Or this yeah. isn't, I can't figure out how to hook this up. Okay. Yeah. It's like, I don't grok this. You can do yeah. it for me. Yeah, I can. Yes. 
like the fact that there was one day where I was like, I don't know how to content plan. Like this is, yes. I'm so burned out on this. And then Darcy was like, oh, here. And she gave me an entire map. And I was like, you're kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is so easy. Yeah. I mean, not I easy, know. easy. Like I still have to do work, but sure. like, I don't have to work hard. Yeah. But I've said to people, like, if you, like, if you can't, like, you're like, today I got to put out something and I have no idea. Like, just pop in the workroom and I'll be like, you can put out this, go put it out right now. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. The amount of stuff I have seen generated yeah. just from people saying I'm stuck on this. And then you or Darcy or somebody else going, oh, yeah. well, how about blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, that was so cool. Like, yeah, and I'm taking take notes. Executive dysfunction out. Like, we don't have to, you don't have to sit there and go, I can't. Because sometimes our brains just don't click. Yeah. You know, and it's nobody's fault. And just I have those things I've learned by eavesdropping. Yeah. And then you learn by eavesdropping or you learn or you just go, hey, do, can you write? And the next thing you know, we've written you 20 pieces of content that you can just throw out. That over the next couple weeks because it's easy because it's not our own business <laughs> right? right yeah right we can look and say oh I can I can look and see what's working right now in social media here try this try this try this try this you know and you don't have to go and figure out all the trends you don't have to figure out all the pieces or stuff I can say like you know set up a you know set up your phone and record yourself just over the next hour because that you can use that those little seven second clips of you just putting the I saw that TikTok you did. I was like, oh, yeah. I see. It. And I did save it. I was like, that. I always forget to, re I, I record myself, but then I forget to use it. Yeah. I just keep like, I, a, like, oh, I keep God. a video folder on my phone. And then like the other day, I just, I was like, wait, I recorded myself uh, with a podcast a couple weeks ago. I don't feel like going on camera. I'm just going to go upload. I uploaded the, it was like, it was like 54 minutes. And of course it's like, do you want these seven seconds? I'm like, Yes. <laughs> I'm like, why was I, th I didn't, I, I didn't move my, I was like, I'm not even going to move to see if it's a different clip. I'm just going to take the seven seconds. It has told me that looks fine. And I'm just going to put some words. On, and then I went, right. Yeah. That's yep. nourishing me. I was like, I, I let that tool nourish me in that moment. Yep. Oh yeah. It's great. <laughs> there was what's. Oh, and I know that there's other ways that the room has been designed accessibly because I know there's at least one person using captions in there and me. another person is probably it's you yeah well I didn't want to say that <laughs> it's me I need captions yeah. on, uh, there's a caption happening right below here um yep. so that I can hear what you're saying because I just I have an auditory processing it's just that's just who I am yeah. yep and there's I know somebody sometimes runs otter so they get transcripts yep. of what we're working on yep. um like all of these tools are built in yes and or, or if you, if we don't have it built in, like, so I've had some people like, do you we'll want to do it on Otter? I'm like, okay, yeah, I don't care. Like, if you have the tools that work for you, use them in the space as well. Like, there's no, yeah. like, it's just like, you know, or you need us to record this right now, this little blurb. Uh, sure, let me just hit the record button. And then I can send you a link and you've got it afterwards. You know, those are those things where it doesn't take, again, it, it's no time. It's no effort on my part to make sure that those accessibility things are built in. And the body doubling, I had never heard of that. You had said something about it on a Facebook post about when yeah. you join the Catalyst, you get these things. I was like, what's body doubling? Yeah, so I looked it up and I was ever. like, oh my God. I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD till I was 36 years old. Right. And all of a sudden, like all the mysteries of my childhood unlocked, like, why am I so anxious all the time? Like, like 
like, why am I a burned out gifted child? Basically, the secret to every burned out gifted child is ADHD. I swear. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think most of us who had great potential and now we're exhausted and in chronic pain, we had undiagnosed ADHD. So as soon as I learned what body doubling was, I'm like, that's why I can, that, like, that's the secret to why I can and can't do things. That's yeah. why I can't clean the garage unless my dad is also mowing lawn. Like, it's- it makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, I think about like in, in my twenties, um, you know, I'd phone a friend and then she'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I'm just cleaning the house. And she's like, while you're talking to him, like, absolutely. This is the only time it's going to happen. And so I talked to somebody for two hours and cleaned my entire apartment. You know, I wasn't vacuuming, but I was like sweeping, doing dishes, loading the dishwasher, washing walls, washing windows, putting stuff away, taking my laundry down the hall. Like I did all of that on the phone. Um, and now I look back and I go, oh, that's because I was already knowing that body doubling was what I needed. I needed to have that space of somebody else doing something in my proximity, even though it was over the phone. Cause she was also doing stuff, you know, she was like painting or making stuff, you know, she's like, oh, I'm just doing, I'm making this thing. Okay. We'll sit here and talk on the phone. We, we weren't in the room together, which is where body doubling started. Um, we were on the phone and that's what we're doing right now in the catalyst. You just come in and even though like, even there's nobody else in the room, there's something about setting yourself in that chair. I think, I think it's where we're body doubling each other, like ourselves at that point, right? Like, it's like, I see myself, my avatar in that room. I'm here. I can focus and do my work and I don't get it entirely. I don't understand it, but it works. Yeah. Um, my aunt used to call my mom when she was cleaning the bathroom when we were kids. Like if it was Saturday and the phone rang, we're like, auntie Jerry's cleaning the bathroom. Yeah. And it was like this running joke for years. And now my sister does it. We're like, we were all just undiagnosed for like our whole lives. That's right. We all just needed body doubling. When my sister, she moved out to Idaho for a short time while I lived out there. I used to call her up and say, I'm cleaning my fridge. Can you come over? Yeah. And she would sit and drink the little bit. Like I would have wine with just a little bit left in the bottle. She's like, well, I'll help clean the fridge I'll take care of these wine bottles while you yeah. clean the rest of it like okay. kind of as a joke but like as long as someone was there absolutely I could clean the fridge yeah yeah and that's like, and I, think- I can't believe how much that has opened up my ability to do admin tasks which I hate absolutely <laughs> yeah and it's like but if I'm doing them with you and with Biba and with everybody yeah. else and occasionally I get to hear his joke about like talk about some little side tangent like Rob Lowe's kids trolling him on Instagram, it makes the day that much better. Absolutely. And I think that's the other thing too, is, is nourishing ourselves, especially as business owners, as artists, is that we're not, and I said this to you right at the beginning, you know, you're not just that you are a plethora of other roles and identities as you move through your life. I think this is an important thing to realize is that nourishing ourselves it was really important for me to build a community where people could be their whole selves. So they didn't have to just show up. I saw in a lot of Facebook groups where people were going through things and they're like, this isn't business related. And it's like, how is it not business related? This is our entire life. We're caregivers, we're family members, we're going through stuff. Um, You know, it it definitely came to a head uh, when George Floyd was murdered. We saw all these people going through grieving motions and, um, and trying to figure out, you know, policy changes, all the stuff that was happening. People were like, well, that's not business related. And it's just like, 
they are biz they're have they are running a business and doing all this stuff of course it's business related and i just i thought what are we doing here where we're like making people not be whole people because it's inconvenient or it makes us feel uncomfortable well that happened to me teaching even um i went through a divorce during my oh what how many years of teaching like a, a few years into my career i went through mm -hmm. a divorce and it was really stressful divorce sucks even if you know it's the right thing to do, it's hard. Mm -hmm. um, and so where I had, pro I would say my first few years of teaching, Protestant work ethic, new teacher, I was putting in 120%. Right. Which I'm probably paying for now because you got to rob Peter to pay Paul. Okay. You're just borrowing from the future if you are putting 120% into work. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, I will say, and you're not being nourished. Okay. That's right. That's right. So I go through a divorce. I scale back to 80% at work, which by the way, is still a passing grade. My supervisor comes to me and says, we notice that you're not performing as well as you usually are as, at a school. Okay. So um, maybe, and she basically, the conversation she had with me was that I was grieving wrong and that I should compartmentalize and leave home at home and work at work and use my job, focus on my job as a way to cope with my divorce. Which, like, worst advice ever. Yeah. Like, totally just avoid trauma. <laughs> and I was, like, yeah. And I was, like, hurt and insulted and so many things by that. Um, I was not nourished by that conversation. My other supervisor regularly came and checked on me and asked how I was, if I was safe, if I was sleeping, if I was eating. Because yeah. all of those things are very difficult to do when you're going through a divorce and you're living with the person that you're divorcing. Yeah. Eating is very difficult. Sleeping is very difficult. Feeling I was physically safe. I was never in any physical danger. Emotionally, I was a wreck. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I did not feel nourished by that person for the rest of the time that they worked there because I really felt betrayed by one conversation. Now that was my own baggage to carry. I didn't have to let one conversation ruin our entire working relationship. That was my choice. <laughs> but it was um, also their choice to be inconvenienced to, by to, your To be experience. inconvenienced by my divorce. Yeah. 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 Um, because we are whole people at work. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, of course, I'm not going to, like, take my divorce to the second graders and tell them about all my marital problems. No. 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 But, like... Yeah, it's going to affect how I am, who I am and how I am at work. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't just um, be like, I'm going to sleep more tonight. Like that <laughs> doesn't actually. <laughs> and I, I am like not able to compartmentalize. I've never been able to. Um, and the times that I've tried have resulted in pretty significant mental health crises. So <laughs> being able to be somewhere where, yeah, we get to be whole people. Yeah. Because honestly, business owner is the least interesting thing about me and probably yeah. the least important thing about me when it comes down to it. I mean, yeah, uh, I got to stay on top of all of the business stuff so that it doesn't like yeah. make the rest of my life fall apart. Absolutely. But I maybe spend three hours a day working, you know, that's a very small percentage of my day. Yeah. Yeah. Your whole person outside. So how are you at receiving help? You mentioned earlier that sometimes it could be a struggle for you to ask for help, but how are you at receiving nourishment? I'm getting, I'm getting better. <laughs> um, I think I now at this point, a week before my 38th birthday, I would say that I'm pretty good at it, at receiving it. 
Um, sometimes I have to, I have to be reminded of the tools that I've been given. Right. Like, oh yeah, I do have a content planner. Right. Like, oh yeah, I can ask for writing help. Yes. You can come like, the catalyst. Yes. I can have someone like do a thing for me. There yeah. are people who know SEO. You can have I don't, edit your podcast. Yeah. Yep. I do have someone editing that for me. Yep. I wouldn't even be doing a podcast if I didn't have somebody who knew audio. That's right. I just didn't have the energy or the time to learn a new skill. I don't. Um, so I think I'm pretty good at receiving nourishment and help. Um, I do sometimes worry that I'm not contributing enough to the workroom because I, my skills aren't to a point where I can give back to other people yet. Oh, I'm very creative. Oh, I'm very creative, okay. but like, I don't feel like I'm giving enough to people well, yet. But I guess what, what you have to think about is like, you know, uh, but then I remember coming, just being in the room in the is room. It's, yes, it's enough to be in the room, right? Yep. Because I mean, think about when somebody hops into that room and they just see your avatar there, yeah. right? You you can ne not have a whole conversation, but that person's going to sit beside you on the you know make believe little table that we have, and they're gonna like they're gonna work alongside you. So you're bringing in that body doubling, you're bringing in that presence. You add to the conversations all the time. You tell us stories. You bring us in delightful things. You share your art, which is incredible. Um, people have bought your art in there, and so that has also contributed yep. to them, right? So that's. That's you bringing your art to people who find joy with it. And this is the reality is that it oh, like being in a community isn't, and especially in a business community's hearts, like I, I, I don't bring in my business sense. Well, you bring yourself in there. You bring your, wow. you are bringing your business in there. You're bringing your process of working on things and your art. And that is so valuable. And it doesn't mean that you didn't, you know, you didn't contribute because you did. I appreciate that. Thank you. The community is better because you're in it. That's, that's it. That's you the got some of, of that, like, again, that capitalist, like, yeah. it has to a be equal, like, tit yeah. for tat. It's that tit for tat thinking that I have to, like, get out of there because it, it doesn't have to be the same thing for the same, like, that type of exchange. Like, a no. community doesn't have to work that way. That's right. It, sh it, it shouldn't work that it way. It shouldn't. No, it shouldn't be based on the value that you bring to the community. It's the fact that you're just there in the community. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and that you're there's, I think there's a line in Encanto and like one of the last songs of Encanto that way. It's like um, the real gift is you. It's not some magic that you've got. The gift is who you are. Yeah. Like, it's not the, skill or the gift is you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, everybody had a purpose. And it's like, well, what happens if you and a gift that you bring? And if you don't have that gift or that purpose, are you know, no, people loved still loved her, um, you know, being in that space. And I think I think there's, there's some interesting uh, we could keep talking about this forever in a day. But I do want to, you know, we're, we're, we're at a, about our time here. So mm -hmm. I know that we'll, we'll, we'll probably keep have, we'll schedule another one. And we'll have more conversations about this. But um, is there anything you'd like people to know about, you know, you and, and what you're doing in the world for through your art? We, we put up your yeah, um, kind of stuff, but I think it's really good for them to know uh, what you're creating and why. Yeah, I create uh, mixed media artwork um, that tends to be pretty 
text heavy, but the text is usually hidden. Um, I I sandwich vintage text in between a lot of paint and other layers of goodness. Um, um, So I have some paintings on my website right now that use Berenstein Bears uh, pages, but they're like sandwiched in between the paint. and then they're all titled with song lyrics. So I like to mix up and mess around my inspirations and just make a real mess out of it. It's a lot of fun. Um, and the collection that. that I'm working on right now that will be part of a group show in June um, is based on Ophelia from Hamlet. And also like Encanto somehow. No, like a lot of song lyrics. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, from like Encanto, Frozen, um, Florence and the Machine. Uh, okay. it's, it's a real mishmash. I've had a lot of fun with it um that'll be going up in june and those pieces will be available as well um my website is l and wink.com and my podcast is hoorf h-o-o-r-f podcast.com or um, instagram at hoorf podcast and that is uh, radical care in a late capitalist hexcape so it's all creativity creative process care caregiving and such definitely worth a listen i enjoyed the episodes Thank you very much. Um, so before we go, I always like to just, again, recognize the person I'm talking with. So Elle, you are incredible. We we met, I remember our first session that we met. I was like, oh, I don't really know anything about this person who has booked a, a session. I think I think I did like a fundraiser um, for somebody and uh, you came in and uh, it, it was interesting hearing you because one, I, I could see like, I could see you had so many messages so many ideas so many beliefs that you wanted to bring out into your into the world um but that it was a struggle you were in a position where you were just kind of coming into this caregiving role you you did not want to run a business you didn't want plus you've got you know disabilities coming like all the stuff all of it and all i could hear was just this like it was just like it felt like this message that you just really wanted to come out and i i knew i'm like okay L just needs to have like support. L just needs to have some bridges. L just needs to have people reaching out and being like, how can we make this easy? How can we make it? How can we bring ease? How can we make it easier? And that you would just soar, that you would just be able to, to put that, the ideas and the messages. Now, what I love about you is that your messages are like, chef's kiss like we're talking like from from the medical i mean i'm still thinking about those the medical um the pills i'm still thinking about you know these pieces that you have brought out they start ideas in me um with the artwork just seeing that artwork and just having you be out there and and just you you do it boldly you do it you know very um confidently in your art I can see it I can see it in there and so I just appreciate that you are creating this art in the world that you I mean I know that you've got the struggles I appreciate you as a caregiver as well you're definitely a caregiver in the catalyst as well I can see that's just a natural thing for you in there but I love how you show up I love the ideas and the commentary that you bring I love the perspective that you bring in you you definitely do look at all the sides and try to bring in this really nuanced um you know nothing is black white it's like great like well let's let's look at it this let's let's play with it and I think that's an essential skill that we need more of in the world this kind of questioning um and playing with these ideas that have just become norm because nobody has felt like challenging them and you're out there challenging them with your art and I love that about you so thank you very much for being Thank you in the world, but also in the catalyst in that space. It's, it's just, it's an absolute honor to be in there and you are so valued in there. 
thank you. Just sitting in those rooms, I love seeing like, oh, there's Al. That's great. Um, I love seeing you in those seats. It's it's important to me, and I know it's very important to the other members of the community to have you in there. Well, thank you for creating a space for us to go. I'm trying, <laughs> no, <laughs> just, try, trying to bring in just bring a spot where people can be. It's it's a good place to be. I even there's been days where my dad's about to lay down for his nap and I say to my dad, come on, Winky, time to go log into the workroom. <laughs> Gotta go oh. see our coworkers. And my mom's like, you don't have coworkers. I'm like, I do now. <laughs> yeah. We're creating there with you and we'll have to get Winky a spot for her to sit in the, in the corner. I'll make a room with Winky in it. With a um, little dog bed. Yeah. A little dog bed for Winky. I can do that. Oh, that'd be so cute. <laughs> I can do that. I can do anything. People are yeah, always you like, can do anything. You can do anything. You can do yeah, anything. wouldn't it be amazing if we had a room that did this? I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> next thing you know, we, we have, have a dog bed room. <laughs> yeah, we have a cat room and a dog bed for Winky. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely put in a dog bed. That's that's. Uh, I can do that. I can do that. She's right now. usually <laughs> sitting right next to me. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, maybe I'll put in. I'll put in like a chair. You know, everybody's kind of got their pets. Anyways, maybe I'll put a chair in with a little with a little bed beside, so people can kind of sit and and bring in their pet with us. So that I mean, we hear all the purrs and the barks, anyways. So it's we a do. it's a full it's a full uh, it's a full noise environment. I'm always, sure. Yeah, I'm always worried my mic is on when my mom comes in and says something. <laughs> I mean, everybody is. Everybody is. Yeah. <laughs> always worried that my mom is going to come in and say something. No, but like or their own like, mom. There's a, there's like, I don't know, 80% of people have intergenerational relationships happening yeah. in their homes. And so it's just a reality. I think we're building that space where you can be with other people that isn't necessarily the people that are in your home as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to Nourish the Risk Takers, a podcast where asking for help becomes easier and receiving the help becomes life-changing. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to our mailing list at createtherules.com to get notified when the next interview is released. Follow us on all socials at Create the Rules for in-between insights, talkbacks, and more. Thank you for being here.